The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Well, here we are. We certainly didn't think that we'd have an end of postseason podcast this early in October, but here we are indeed. Uh, it's disappointing. It's tough. Um, I'm not quite sure I'm through all the stages or even half of them yet. Uh, it's very difficult, and I get it as a fan if it is, but uh, from a content standpoint, we do move forward, and I thought it would be good um, for you, the fans, to hear from Ray's president of baseball operations, Eric Neander, and we'll hear from him in a little bit, and then some analysis from Mark Hopkin of the Tampa Bay Times, and we'll kind of try to break down the whys and wherefores as to what happened in the series against the Boston Red Sox, and then be able to take it from that point forward and try and look ahead a little bit to 2022 because there are a lot of decisions that will have to be made um, and a lot of moves that probably will be made too, and we'll get to all of that uh, as we move forward on the podcast. But we'll start with President of Baseball Operations Eric Neander, beginning with kind of how he feels about the early exit and also obviously a tremendous regular season too. Yeah, uh, probably in a way that might not make a whole lot of sense or words that contradict one another but um exceptionally proud but also disappointed uh is is the best way i'd place it you know this was this was a year where we went back to last the the winter of the spring talked about it being a year of transition certainly with our pitching staff um and we thought we would be competitive uh i don't think we realistically envisioned certainly with all the injuries we had winning 100 games and and for those reasons incredibly proud of of this group and and the staff uh but those expectations they continue to climb as the year as we got deeper in the year you know each each passing month this looked more and more like a team that is arguably the best team in the american league or position themselves that way um despite their youth and despite all that transition and so you know that provides great pride and, and you know you're really proud about all that transpired and led to that but then comes the higher expectations and the quick exit in the postseason and that's disappointing and that's why we're we're talking here today and doing this now rather than what we really had hoped and planned for being a few weeks from now why why do you think the exit happened what didn't go right against boston um well probably you know just not having a whole lot of time to process um you know between now and and game four ending will will take a little more time I think we played a good team uh, that outplayed us um, and you know it, it starts there I think there's you know a hundred different directions my mind could go right now or is going <laughs> as I as I attempt to give you a better answer um, but you know we look we had a hard time missing bats they put a lot of balls in play um, they had some big at bats you know with runners on they had some big hits um we didn't find the big hit as much in games two three and four and certainly we found them to to fight back at a tie games but we couldn't figure out a way to get it done to get ahead before before they did but you know look this is a team we played a bunch this year they beat us we beat them um we had close games that we won close games that we lost and you know these these things can can happen and we'll learn from it we'll We'll do all we can to think and overthink it and look at all the young players on our team and, you know, um, you know 
see see what we can gain from it to do better moving forward. But uh, sometimes these things can also just happen. As great a regular season as it was, and as well as you did to replace or fill the gap for Tyler Glass now, was this when you might have missed him most? Yeah, I, I think in to go back to your previous question, I I got long winded enough that I just shut it off. But I you know, the the starts, you know, Shane gave us a great start in game one. And after that, um, we we didn't get the kind of outings that we had, you know, grown accustomed to, to getting from our, our young starters um, down the stretch and and so that that put us in a in a bit of a bind and you know and uh, certainly it, it it helps to appreciate just how valuable it can be to have one guy that can go five six seven certainly the way glass was going earlier this year you know to have someone like that that's a difference maker in terms of you know what it what it does to the game or two games he pitches and also the way it can set up your pitching for for the rest of a series when you start to look forward what how much can this experience help 2022? Yeah, I th- well, no matter how this season ended, once we reach the postseason, if you, you step back from this October and you jump to the thoughts about what's ahead, it's really exciting. You know, this is we we won 100 games on the backs of a lot of young, inexperienced players. You know, Randy Rosa had the huge postseason. He's a little older. He's a rookie. You know, um, we had guys in our pen, rookies. Um, and then you look at. Drew Rasmussen coming on, Shane McClanahan, what he did all year long, uh, Patino, you know, at age 21, uh, Shane Boss, you know, what we saw out of him, out of him down the stretch, that, you know, you have the makings of what we just talked about, of having that glass, now having those guys that can really carry workload. We've we've got some really really promising young arms that did a wonderful job down the stretch here. Um, we'll benefit greatly from these postseason experiences in those environments there's no substitute for living those things and experiencing them they have that now and they have them at a very early stage of their career which is important to us because we rely on young players um, to think about this group's potential moving forward in addition to to wander and some of the players on the other side of the ball that are younger it's it's exciting you know to think that this is a team that won 100 games did it through periods of transition accomplished it with the endless run of injuries on the pitching side it's a 100 win team that you could argue we say moving forward you know the arrows pointing up on them you have often supplemented young guys with veterans you didn't have you know a veteran like a charlie morton on the pitching side you have brought in nelson cruz for next year do you need some sort of veteran especially knowing tyler may be out for the full year for the pitching side i think it's it's always helpful to have experienced um players in your in your clubhouse um now you know those that are interested in giving back to others and sharing their experiences and and helping to guide young players that's a certain part of it it's not it's not for everyone i don't mean that as a not you know it's just you know some people go about their days and spend their time differently you know um but it's it's something we always talk about something we've always preached the value of it the importance of it you know rich hill you know, provided a lot of that in the early going. And, you know, we had to make some difficult decisions in the middle of the year about which way to go on some things um, as we worked in some of our younger arms. Uh, but it's something that you know, we are always going to rely on young players. But with that, you want you want to have staff and you want to have other players on hand. Uh, that peer-to-peer influence is huge. You want to have them on hand that can help these young players um, learn the way, learn the ropes, expedite their, their maturation process because 
we do rely on young players and we need them to come along much sooner than than most in many respects and yeah that's where guys like that are critical and I think our recent history here shows that we're pretty big believers in that. Nelson Cruz probably didn't perform as well as he wanted or you wanted regular season or postseason after acquiring him but what do you think his impact will have been on the young players Randy Rosarena, Wander Franco, Brandon Lau etc. It's a lot back to the question that you just you just hit on it's it's something that you can't you can't measure it, but you can appreciate it. And numerous examples behind the scenes um, where Nelson lent his time, provided his suggestion, or just was being an example um, by the way he went about his day and how disciplined he was and how he took care of himself and how professional he was. That all of that, even in a few months' time, given his stature, his credibility, um, and the way he is perceived within the game, all justifiably so. You can leave a lasting impression on not just one or two people, but nearly an entire clubhouse. And it's it's safe to say that that he did that. You know, this is someone that has um, been, you know, has had immense contribution contributions to the game. Has been at the top of his game for a very long time. And you know, we have a lot of players in our clubhouse that would love nothing more than have the opportunity to play at age 41. And he gives them a way to to see that through and to make sure that they appreciate every day how it influences the next toughest decisions going forward would be what you've got a 19 player i think arbitration class half a dozen or so free agents you can't have a 50-man roster unfortunately yeah i I think there's the the decisions of once uh, we need to reinstate everyone from the il uh that's gonna put us north of 40 that'll give us some uh, immediate decisions to make once the the season's over then you have the protection deadline and how the group of players that are real five eligible fit into this and then you know you're throughout that you're always determining your injured players um you know potential free agents trades uh and those real fives how to within that 40 group of how to how to make sure you're assembling uh, a group that can contribute to our 26-man roster opening day. Um, that'll be a balance, uh, a tricky one, perhaps a little trickier this year than than normal because of all those injuries, because of the arbitration class, and because we've got some really good Rule 5 eligibles coming along. Um, I wish we were still playing, but having a few additional weeks here to, to really sort through this and focus on it should uh, should do us some good and, and help us hopefully make better decisions uh, in the fall. You're going to have turnover on the 26-man and the 40-man roster. You've kept, by and large, at the head, you and Kevin, uh, on the baseball upside, and and Carlos and and Peter. Are you confident the coaching staff will all be able to stay in place? Or I I know how often it is that teams like your guys. Yeah, I mean, that's that's always a a possibility. Uh, Our our staff, they've done marvelous work, and and with that comes well-deserved recognition. So... We'll see all that through and see where it leads. Um, those are all decisions and <laughs> that process. That'll that'll be something over the next week that we, we really dig into and spend more time on and, and just see what kind of interest might be out there from, from other clubs. Um, our, our focus has been almost solely on the 2021 season, the postseason at this point, um, in part because of the great work that our staff did. And I guess pointing forward, focus is still find a way to speak as good as you can to get the ring, right? Yeah, I, we've we've got to keep getting into the playoffs. That's that's the first step, and I think the more the more years we can reach the postseason, um, 
the more you know our, our chances of winning a World Series increase, and we're going to stay at it. Um, like I said, we feel like we have a hundred win team here with a, a youth, you know the a nucleus that um, I think is is pointing up, and and that's exciting, and 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 should allow us the opportunities um, if things go our way to to have more postseason trips in our near term future here, and we need those trips to have a chance to. To finally break through one day and believe that we're gonna we're gonna do that and believe it'll be that much sweeter when we do because of some of the disappointments and things we've experienced um, certainly in 2021. Sad to see it end, but certainly appreciate the time. Good luck as you get ready for 22. Thanks, Neil. I appreciate it, and we'll uh, we'll get to work and try to do a little better next year. Well, we appreciate the time of Ray's president of baseball operations, Eric Neander, and the guy who was at his uh, final news conference of the season, probably a little bit earlier than we all anticipated, was Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times, who is now back from Boston and joins us on the podcast. Mark, thanks for hanging out with us. Anytime, Neil. See you in Boston, see you in St. Pete, wherever, man. Yeah, and and I, as I mentioned with uh, with Eric, obviously earlier than anticipated, um, what's your take on this season as a whole? I mean, how do you evaluate it uh, from, from a reporter's perspective? I mean, I, I'm going to have a little harsher view than, than Kevin Cash and Eric Neander and some of the players did, Neil. I, you know, I, yes, what they did during the regular season was tremendous, and it is something they should be proud of, and, and winning 100 games for the first time in franchise history and doing it in the AL East with three other 90-win teams and winning the division, all those things, and, and having the second what second best offense in the game and the best pitching staff in the American League, all those things are great. But it's a bottom line sport, and this team was determined, focused, had set, set a goal to get to the World Series, was in position to do so as the top seed in the American League, had home field advantage for the first two rounds, and gets knocked out on the first round by the wild card team, a team they beat by eight games in the standings and beat eleven out of nineteen times during the season. I think you've got to have a you have to have a pretty big it's also a disappointment aspect to any description of this season. I mean, I, Neil, I'm working on something for a couple of days from now, the Tampa Bay times, and I'll probably solicit your opinion as I often do on these things, but you know, where, where does this rank among the biggest disappointments in that regard? Is this up there with the 2010 team? Is this up there with the 2009 team not getting back to the postseason? And there's a significant level of disappointment with how this season turned out. Is this the series where you know, they did so well without Tyler Glasnow. If you would have told me on June 15th or the date that that injury happened, are they even going to get in the playoffs? There might have been some question. But is this a segment of the season, the postseason, where they most miss Tyler more than anything else? I think so, Neil. I think it is. And I think it shows up. And part of this is a bigger picture question that we talked to Eric Nander about at the press session uh, on Tuesday at the TROP is that, you know, they do an incredible job of building their roster out to win over 162 games. And they do that with versatile, complementary type players. They do that with an incredible amount of depth. They do that with roster shuffling, maybe, you know, even some roster manipulation to always have fresh arms and good matchups. But in a post-game series, especially a five-game series, it sometimes comes down to your stars or as, as your colleague Dave Will says, you know, your big boys have to step up and do their part. And, you know, when you don't have those stars, maybe that does work against you in this case. And having a dominating starting pitcher, a horse, a clear number one, 
definitely is to your advantage. I mean, last year the Rays had three of those guys and Charlie Morton, Blake Snell, Tyler Glass. Now they still didn't win the World Series, but they sure got close. And I think that is part of what helps you get there. And the margin, though, Mark, is is still slim. I mean, you take a look at how close they came to a bounce here, a bounce there, a shorter or taller wall at a certain spot, and everything does change. Am I right? I mean, the last two games were walk-off fashion, 13th inning, ninth inning. So it's not like they were that far. It's not like you could say they got swept or they were routed. Those games, they had certainly had a chance. Even the 14-6 loss, they were up 5-2 after the first inning. Right. And if you really wanted to go to a turning point, I think you might even go back to game two of losing that five to two lead and letting that game get away at home because, you know, we saw Colin McHugh who pitched so well. We, you had actually provided me with the stat. He'd only allowed three homers all year. He allowed two in a seven batter span on uh, that. Matt Whistler had a tough game that night and that changed the tenor of game two. I mean, the Rays hadn't lost three games in a row since late July. They hadn't lost three games in a row uh, to the Red Sox, they lost that first series and they lost the first game when they played them again a month or two later. So technically they lost four in a row to the Red Sox, but they don't lose three games in a row. They didn't the whole second part of the season. And then they do lose three games in a row. One when they blow a lead, two on walk-offs. That 13 inning game was a classic game. That's going to be a game that probably everybody but journalists and Rays fans are going to consider one of the best games uh, in playoff history, certainly in recent playoff history. And then, you know, the tough ending uh, on Monday night on the walk-off and, you know, coming back from five, nothing, only one bigger deficit all year, which was when they came back from a six run deficit at Boston on Labor Day. So they, they did a lot right. And, and you're right. They didn't get blown out. They didn't get swept, but, you know, going back to what I said at the top, it, this is a bottom line business. And when you come out and say, as Brandon Lau and other players did, our singular goal this season is to get back to the world series and win it. And you don't get past the first round. I think you have to look at it to some degree as a failure. So from that regard, um, how much change do you anticipate going into 2022? And what are the top decisions and moves that the Rays are going to have to consider? Well, as you well know, <laughs> they're the Rays, so there's going to be change. And even this year, when they brought back almost the whole position player core intact, they changed the whole pitching staff. So there's always going to be change around the race. There's always a lot of it. Uh, they are going to have a really fascinating winter. And it's, I'm going to call it like a baseball America winter because it's going to be a lot of small transactions that have to do with manipulating and, and controlling their 40-man roster, managing their 40-man roster. You know, you, some of these guys are on both lists, so I broke them up a little differently. But there's eight players, all pitchers, that are on the 60-day injured list that have to come off and be reinstated to the 40-man roster. There's seven free agents that are going to have to come off the 40-man roster. There's 19 players who are arbitration eligible, some of whom are going to be non-tendered or traded. There's an option on Mike Zanino, which I think we all assume is going to get picked up, and, and that's going to be for a nice $7 million contract, which will make him one of the higher-paid raise. So there's some things that they have to do internally to figure out you know, how many of these guys on the 60-day IL are they really going to keep around. How many of these free agents are they going to talk to? I would assume none. They'll talk to them all early, but won't sign anybody early because then you lose that roster spot you gain by taking them off. It's almost a wash between the free agents they have and the guys they have to reinstate from the 60-day IL. Uh, and then, you know, like I said, they're not going to pay all 19 guys arbitration or they'd all be making Neil Solon's money. Right. Um, in terms of all seriousness, you mentioned Zanino. <laughs> Is that the easiest decision the Rays have to make this offseason? I think so. And, and part of this is like, 
the, the Rays get ripped for a lot of things, Neil, around the industry, but they, they try to do right by players. And, you know, when they didn't pick up Charlie Morton's option last year, they could have picked up Charlie Morton's option and traded him and gotten something for him. Uh, sure, there's a risk if you do that. If, if a guy were to get hurt, you know, during the offseason, were to, you know, COVID, I mean, were to fall playing with his kids and break his arm. I mean, whatever you want to say, you, you would assume a risk there, but it wouldn't have been much of a risk and they could have gotten something for him. But they felt that they owed Charlie, that he committed to them for two years and they knew he wanted to find a situation where he could live at home during the spring, if possible, or live near his home here in the Bradenton area. So, they wanted to do right by him. So I think the same thing with they did with Rich Hill. They knew they weren't going to keep Rich Hill. They wanted to trade him to a playoff team because he signed with them to be in the playoffs. So they got Mike Zanino to come back this year at a significant pay cut. He wanted to come back. They wanted him back. They didn't want to spend the money that they had the option for. So he came back almost like half of what he was supposed to make. So I think this is almost like a make good thing. The option was structured to go up from like $4 million to $5 million to $6 million to $7 million. It's a, It wasn't quite that round, but essentially that based done games played and he did well enough this year obviously that he's you know he surpassed the minimum so yeah seven million dollars for catcher who might hit a lot of homers and it's good defensively but might bat 200 and strike out a bunch of times might seem like a lot but i think you almost look at it as that's part of what he would have made this year had they not brought him back under the reduced terms and if you look at market value for catchers i mean what james mccann is is not accomplished <laughs> never has had any year really close to what mike zanino had this year in terms of overall value and he got what a four-year 40 million dollar deal with the Mets the other year yeah and Travis Darno, who we saw and, and basically you know owes his resurrection to the Rays he, he made himself a lot of money but what two years at eight million each for the Rays and he just re-upped for two more years I think at eight million each for the Rays so he made himself what 32 million dollars uh, by coming to the Rays and having that strong season he did here what are some other things that you anticipate they'll look at Mark and how much change uh you know you mentioned yes they're going to have change but what the core of young players, I would assume, is going to be very similar. You're going to have Wander Franco, Randy Rosarena, the young pitching staff is going to be the focal point of this group. I, I think so. I mean, it would probably make sense to have one veteran starting pitcher type around. Maybe they bring Michael Walker back. I mean, they really liked him and his attitude. And, you know, he was a good guy in the clubhouse. He was a good guy to kind of carry the message to some players. But somebody like that has been there, done it. Uh, the bullpen is always as kind of fungible as the word that Andrew Friedman first introduced us all too many years ago, and none of us knew what it meant, but they like to rotate that around. They always think that the bullpen guys are the hardest to predict who's going to be good or not. I think you'll see a couple of the more familiar faces go, Neil. I mean, some of these guys are getting up there in arbitration money. I mean, G-Man Choi, maybe we had seen the last of G-Man Choi. I think the one storyline that's going to be around all winter, unless something happens and probably into the spring, are they going to trade Kevin Kiermeyer? I mean, they have certainly got enough outfielders uh brett phillips obviously has a similar skill set to kevin kiermeyer we saw josh lowe come up during the season he is a guy that brady williams the triple a manager raves about he can play center field as well you know manuel margot is also getting up to arbitration wise so i i, I almost would think one or the other is going to go whether it's going to be margot or kiermeyer uh but you know i think kiermeyer with a 12 million dollar contract for next year and then a two and a half buyout or a 13 million 13 million dollar option for 23 uh, so there's some significant money still to go there. So I, I think that might be one of the bigger stories. And, you know, we all know how much it means to Kevin Kiermaier to be a Tampa Bay Ray. He always says that, and, and that's the only place he knows. But that may be something we see happen. But I, I do think a couple of these position players, like I said, that are getting up there. I mean, what's Ryan Yarborough's future? He's getting up there arbitration-wise. He'll probably be in the 4 to $5 million range. 
you know, if they've got enough young pitching, maybe they move Ryan Yarbrough. I'm just, you know, speculating, kind of looking at the roster as we're talking here. But I think there'll be a couple of familiar names that do kind of get churned a little bit in the roster. Well, it's certainly going to lead to a busy offseason. We certainly wish it didn't start so quickly, Mark. Uh, but we certainly appreciate you joining us on the day we all traveled back from Boston. Anytime, Neil. It'll be fun to kind of see as this all unfolds. And there'll be some awards that may involve some rays coming up in November, the BBWA Awards, whether Randy Rosarena's Rookie of the Year, whether Kevin Cash repeats his Manager of the Year. So we shall have plenty to talk about. Certainly appreciate the time of Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. Um, great to chat with him, and I'm sure we'll be doing it plenty during the course of the offseason on future podcasts as well. Uh, thanks also to Eric Neander, race president of baseball operations for being with us. And thank you so much for listening. Um, you can follow our blog, raiseradio.moblogs.com. And then we'll have podcasts periodically, uh, probably next up, let's say the, the start of uh, the World Series, kind of do maybe some predictions and some thoughts. And if anything happens newsworthy between now and then, we'll do something. But otherwise... Um, you can check out our blog for other up-to-date information analysis as we go. Thanks so much for being with us, and we certainly will chat with you soon.